The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hello, Joanne. Hello, hello, everyone. And Pat Scott. Hello, Pat. Greetings from Texas. So uh, before we get into the main meat of today's show, I, I, we, I do have some listener feedback. I wanted to, uh, to read a, an email from listener Cameron. Uh, and Cameron says, and you'll know why I, I want to read this, because Cameron says, I love the secrets of technology, uh, the SQPN show, which thank you, Cameron. <laughs> but that's not the only reason I've, I'm, I'm reading it. Uh, he, he goes on to say, here's a bit of feedback in reference to the Kindle slash Oasis devices mentioned in the Keep Your Old Tech Alive episode. Uh, I just wanted to mention I actually bought an Oasis Kindle device, mainly because it has two buttons to flip its di- digital pages back and forth. In contrast, the regular Paperwhite that I had previously required swiping or tapping the screen to turn each page. I personally did not like having to swipe or tap the screen to turn pages back and forth, so to my mind, the Oasis was worth the $230. For these two buttons, to my mind, make the user experience more elegant and more like the interaction of a non-digital paper book. Uh, and that brings to mind that the old Kindles, the, the, I think the first Kindle I had, had physical buttons. Um, right. and, uh, and I did find that I inadvertently pressed those buttons more than I inadvertently tapped the screen, but that's, that might be just me being, you know, clumsy. Uh, what do you guys think? Would you, would you prefer a physical button? If you have a Kindle, would you prefer physical buttons over the tap and swipe? I've got the paper white and I don't know. I, I, I guess cause I'm used to an iPad, the swiping. Yeah. It doesn't bother me, but sometimes if I tap it, it goes too fast. So then that just could be user error and not anything else. But um, I use my Kindle mostly for books. If I don't want to be disturbed by anything else, I'll pick up my Kindle and, and read it. But so I, I kind of like it. Would I want the physical button? N- not if it's going to cost me 230 <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, same thing here. I'm very comfortable with with both the experience on an iPad and on Kindle, paper white. You know, the swipe is fine. But I can understand some people have more physicality that they they need right. that that um you know, it may help be helpful for them to get just one click instead of accidentally swiping twice or something. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, it's a value proposition. Is it worth it to you? And, and so for some people, it's going to be different. Uh, I, I know that for me, I, I, there are times that I want to highlight something on the screen where I'll tap and hold and it will change pages because it thinks I'm tapping to switch page. So that does get a little annoying. It wouldn't happen if it had a physical button. But uh, but thank you, Cameron, for that feedback. Because uh, I know I did ask, why would someone buy the Oasis for, for more money? Uh, but th- th- there's, there's, a, there's someone for every product. And uh, I'm glad that it worked out for you. So let's get into the meat of today's program, which is we're going to be talking about the announcements that Apple made early this week. Uh, the iPhone is the most popular phone the most, uh, you know, on the planet, it's the the uh, iPad is the most popular tablet out there. The Mac is still big. So these are big announcements that will apply to a lot of people. And so Apple made some announcements at WWDC, their worldwide developer conference. This happens every year about this time. And they talk about the software improvements that are coming for uh, iPhones, iPads, Macs, TV, the Apple TV, uh, even the AirPods. Um, CarPlay, HomeKit, uh, and then what we can expect for some new Mac hardware coming in the future. So, uh, but, but before we get started, we should probably note that m- most of the stuff isn't coming, isn't being released officially till the fall. Although, you know, uh, a public beta is a developer beta is available now. Public betas are coming in July. I think we talked about this last year, but let, let's re- reiterate: do, do either of you install public betas on your on your primary devices? I, I do. It, it, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's six of one, half a dozen of another. I, 
I guess I don't get annoyed too quickly unless it completely bricks my machine. Um, but I like what I'm seeing and I'm really, I don't usually do it on the computer. I do it on the iPad or the iPhone, but I'm really tempted to want to put the, the new OS on the, on the computer as a beta test. I really do. Cause it looks phenomenal. How about you, Pat? Uh, I typically don't do the public betas because I use my devices for business and therefore I do not want to take any chance that they could be uh, down for the duration. Now, if I have a spare machine that is capable of running it, then I will do that. But quite frankly, with the Macs, they tend to be more expensive and therefore I don't happen to have extras laying around. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I had a, a second iPhone that I use for, for an iPod around the house, you know, sure, I'd put it on there. But most of the time, those are not the new ones. <laughs> right. Yeah, and what I usually do is I choose. Uh, one year, I'll put the beta on the phone, but not the iPad. And then last year, I put the beta on the iPad because it was the new the new OS this year, man, they just look so good. I'm so tempted. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into the, the, the very tempting bits in a sec, but uh, for me, like I usually don't do public betas. If I did like last year, I did the iPad beta because they had those features that I really wanted to get a hold of early. Uh, that really made a difference in my productivity. Um, but I wait, I wait until, you know, the third or fourth public beta. I don't touch developer betas. You have to be a developer anyway. But uh, I, I don't even put the sec the first or second public beta on because they're still really unstable. Uh, so I usually wait till maybe mid to late July before I even think about it. But in general, I think in general, our advice is don't do it unless you really you know, unless you really know what you're doing, uh, you know, we kind of know what we're doing. We know how to get ourselves out of a bad situation. Um, Jack, who also is on this podcast, Jack Barazzini, uh, was messaging me and said uh, that he installed the developer beta on his iPhone and his bank now won't let him use his banking app because it thinks it's jailbroken. Oh, dear. So, yeah. So, you know, that that's the sort of thing. It's the sort of risk you got to be willing to take. And he he's an expert on this sort of stuff. So he, I'm sure he figured out a way to, to, to fix it. But um, that's 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 you don't know, don't do public betas in general. Uh, so let's talk about what's coming. Uh, these features that we're so dying to get that we're willing to install public betas. Uh, let's talk about iOS 14 and iPad OS 14. Remember last year, Apple made a distinction between the two. They're still mostly alike. There's, there's a few differences. Um, let's talk first about the uh, iOS, this new home screen with widgets. Now, uh, Android users are already saying, you mean this thing that we've been doing for several years now? And in which Apple uses say, yes, Apple may be second, but they always do it better. But, you know, uh, Father Corey's not here to defend uh, the Android. So, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll so you're going to do that. Yeah, I played both sides <laughs> on this one. But uh, but but uh, this home screen with widgets looks really interesting. And, and what it does, it lets you mix widgets like which are basically little screens from from inside your apps among the icons on your home screen. What do you what do you guys think of this? Is this something you're you, you, that looks good to you? It's something you'd think you'd use? Yeah, I would. Uh, there's a lot of things that right now that uh, it would be nice to have a place for it on the, the home screen where instead of swiping over to the today screen, uh, I, I'm not sure how many of my clients will. But I think that, the you know, us who are more forward uh, or, shall we say, uh, risk-taking, uh, yeah, I think this is real exciting. It, and it gives a lot of information right at a glance. I thought it was interesting that they said that this widget technology really was coming from the, the watch because they had learned to do so many things in such a small space that that, that kind of affected the, the coming of widgets. That's an interesting idea because I, I sometimes surprised at how – good watches are at the uh, watch apps are at a lot of uh, information and a little bit of space. What do you think of this, Joanne? Well, again, they took, they took something that was from somewhere else and made it a lot better. And that's what excites me. I forget to keep going over to the, the today screen. I forget that it's there. I was so excited to get it, but I never go there now to have it on my front screen. When a home screen, when I open it up, that's going to be much better. First of all, I want the clock bigger. 
Yeah. You know, I never, I can't see the time on the, on the lock screen sometimes because it fades into whatever the picture is. Uh, so be able to have the, di- and, and I'm, I'm not a digital person. I still like my analog. <laughs> so to have that there, to have, you know, maybe my, my calendar prominent saying, okay, here's really what's going on today. <laughs> not what you think is going on today. And a couple of other things I use all the time because I know what I use all the time. And then go to the next screen and have the things that I use almost all the time. I, that's my hierarchy of things. As you go pe- down my screens, it's the lesser things. And gee, I could really get rid of this whole page of, of apps. And I, I'm really looking forward to being able to customize it. I think, I think that's what Apple users have wanted all along. They don't mind the walled garden. Just let us fool around with it a little bit. Right. And put it where we want it. Let's plant, let, let me plant the roses where I want. I, I like the idea of that search widget being right where you could put it in the top because a lot of times with so many apps trying to find the app, then the search right there is a real quick way to find it. And yes. I like the the um, the other things that are coming about with the app library along the same reason. I think app library is uh, is a hidden gem for for the more general users. Like for 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 me, I'm very anal about like everything has to go in, a, in its right folder and its right place and I, this is the, you know I I know where all my apps are. And then I pick up my wife's phone and I'm like, "Where's the settings app? Why is it on the third page in the middle?" <laughs> I mean, like this doesn't make any sense and it just the stuff ends up where it ended up when she when it installed. Whereas the app library is a nice way for Apple using some of its smarts to kind of say, okay, this is on the last page. So you just scroll all the way to the end. And yeah, these are all kind of game apps and these are all kind of social media apps. And it does it for you to organizing things for you. And I, I like the idea that they're, they're helping people organize the stuff for them. Uh, because, because a lot of people just don't, don't bother with that in, in the app library. I just wonder what they're going to do with Catholic apps because Catholic apps tend to not go together. They tend to go to different things. Yeah. And I like to keep them together as Catholic apps. So well, you I still know have the are. folder capabilities. Right, exactly. Yeah, so. But I'm just dying to see where they're going to put them. I have felt that, <laughs> that Apple's categorizations are very broad. And uh, so, because, you know, when you first create a folder, it puts the category for that app on. And I'm like, well, that app does not seem at all like, like, reference or productivity it's something different so i'd like to see them get a little more granular in their categorization uh one of the things that they're going to have is smart stacks of widgets so that uh just like today again if you swipe to the left they'll usually there's usually at the top um siri app suggestions and uh it's it'll continue to do something along the lines where it will surface the app that you'll need at the moment that it thinks you need. So for me, every day at around four o'clock, if I go there, I'll see Paprika, which is my recipe app. Uh, you know, and other times of the day, I'll uh, the, something else will pop up. I'm, you know, I'm not sure, like a phone app. It would be nice if uh, I wake up in the morning, I see my calendar and then, you know, uh, and then later in the day, I'll see, uh, I don't know, at lunchtime, it shows me the news and, you know, or, or, or my Kindle app or something. Cause I'll, I read during lunch or that sort of thing. It will be nice to have that sort of smart surfacing of things, uh, from the, from that screen. Um, one other thing they mentioned is, uh, app clips. And this is a nice idea. I have a folder. I don't know about you guys. I have a folder full of uh, parking apps, like parking meter apps. And I also have another folder of store apps that I never use. But but they're there because every once in a while I'll drive into Boston or I drive into a, a city near Boston and they each have a different parking app. And I got to make sure I have the right app when I need to pay for parking. Well, the nice thing is uh, th- this new uh, uh, app clips is... You go up and you either scan a QR code or you swipe your phone near a sign and it has an NFC, a near field chip in it, and it will pop up. It's like a bit of a app. It's just a a little stub of an app, just the functionality to do the thing you want to do, like pay for parking. I don't have to keep the app on my phone. It just comes up when I need it. And they had a real neat video in the uh, like a commercial, an ad in the presentation showing them doing it for various things like Panera or a scooter or all these various things where you could, it pops up an app that lets you like for Panera has a menu on it and then you, you choose what you want and then it goes away again. And then you go to the store and get your stuff. Uh, I think this could be, if, 
if implemented well, and that's a key, is that a lot of this depends on the end, uh, the, the the companies implementing it well. Uh, this could be useful, do you think? I do, because it, then it will keep all these other apps that I really don't care about or only use once or twice a year mm -hmm. off my phone. Yep. So yes, that's, I, think I, I think it's a great idea. I, I do too. I I think um, getting I, getting rid of a couple of those folders would be wonderful, <laughs> and it would loosen the load on the phone. You know that the phones have tons of storage these days, but I still want to you know, keep it relatively clean. I don't want to fill up my phone with apps I don't use and keep it space for music or photos or whatever. Um, then there's uh, one nice thing they mentioned is when uh, Siri or uh, a phone call or FaceTime pops up like what happens now is it takes over your screen and i can't tell you how many times i've been using my phone and a, i get a phone call and i tap i'm so, trying to tap something that was on the app i was using and i end up tapping either answer or 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 worse hang up and i'm like oh, oh i didn't mean to do that <laughs> and, and you know, it's like ah well, like why does it have to take over my my whole screen well now it's not going to it'll pop up like a notification at the top for the for phone calls or FaceTime or just a little swirling Siri bubble at the bottom. Uh, and, and and if you don't want to take the call, the best part is you just flick it away. You just flick it off the top of the screen <laughs> and you don't have to take the call. Uh, I, I think that would be a great, a great thing. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't think of that before, because that's that's what happens on the Mac. Now, when something comes in, it's up at the top and you just flip it if you don't want it or you answer it. I don't know what, what took them so long to do it on the phone and on the iPad. Right. And the with the picture in picture, now when you take the call, like a FaceTime call, you can continue to do stuff on your phone while having the person's a video continuing. So like sometimes I'll get a, a call from a, my mother or my brother and they're asking for how to do something on the phone. And I'm like, okay, let me see. And then I'll switch out of FaceTime to use the the app, and my video stops. And and, and they, but and they're, you know, and I can't see them. Well, if I can, if we have the picture in picture, you can continue having conversation while doing that thing. So I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, let's see what else. Uh, they they have a translation app, which the Universal Translator is finally here, folks. Right. <laughs> Star Trek's promise may, might not be it might not be that perfect, but uh, uh, it, it is interesting that we have now what Google had, I think, for a while in Android, which was a tra ability to do translations. The difference is, is this is an on device translation, so it doesn't send anything out to the cloud. So it doesn't depend on you having a good Internet connection or a good phone connection. It does it all on device, which I, it's the on device stuff that really amazes me. You know, living in a bi I've always lived in a bilingual world, um, but I don't pick up languages very well. So in the in when I was younger, it was my parents who could always translate for me. And as I, as they left this world, my cousin was really the one translating for me. But now she has dementia, so now that I have will have something in my pocket so that when I go into the Portuguese sector for something and I don't know, I only know every ninth word they're saying, I'll be able to now open my phone and see it and say, great, now I can know what you're <laughs> talking about. And here's the answer. <laughs> I can usually, I usually understand it better, but I just don't have an aptitude for languages. So this is going to be huge for me, especially doing genealogy. What I would like to see is an addition on FaceTime that it would do a, a captioning for you, too. Ooh. Because like Google right now in their Google Meet, you can turn on captioning. And it's, and it's, it's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good because I use it with my hard of hearing brother and my, uh, my son's girlfriend who's deaf. And that really helps us with the conversation. Wow. And so if they could do that with FaceTime, wow, that would really be a big deal. That would be big. Hopefully that's in iOS 15 because, yeah, that would be that would be really great. I wouldn't be surprised if they're thinking about it because they're really good at accessibility. Yes, yes that's true. Are. Yeah. In fact, it was an accessibility. There's so much more in this uh, in, in coming than is talked about in these presentations. And one thing I saw people have discovered in the in the betas is uh, that there's an accessibility feature where you, you'll be able to tap the back of your phone to do certain actions. So if you like double tap the back of your phone, you can launch an app. Uh, you like um, someone was saying uh, now I can launch um, OK Google with a double tap on the back of my 
uh, phone, which is kind of interesting. So uh, I'm not sure I want to True. do that because I, I think accidental double taps is going to be a thing. But like even double tap to to start the camera, you know, just how quick would that would be? Uh, you know, when the kids are doing something cute, tap, tap, get it go. And right, you know, right now, uh, I think that would be really neat. Um so uh, one of, one thing that I think everybody uses, I mean, it's sort of the, the universal app now is messaging and messages. Uh, and they made some interesting improvements for messages. And we could talk about some of the ones I think would be most applicable for our audience, for most, most of the folks out there. And the, the group messaging is very interesting. So, you know, I think most families have a, even couples have a group message, like a, an ongoing conversation. I have one with my siblings. I, I know Melanie has one with, with her family, you know, and, and it's, and I have one with Melanie. And so having this group, one of the things it does is it, you can put the, the, you can create a group icon that represents the group and you can put an icon on it. Like, like, even if you have like, this, this is the group of friends who are going on vacation. And so you put like, you know, a, a tent as an, as your emoji icon for that. And then you see all around it, the, uh, images of all the people in that group. I think it's kind of neat. It, and uh, so you get group messaging and in the group messaging, you have in, you can st- now do inline replies. So like you can uh, type someone's name and they get notified of that response. That's a response to them. And so not everybody has to get that response, which, oh man, if I'm going to really have to try to train my brothers and sisters to do that, because <laughs> they sometimes have uh it, you know, one-to-one conversations in the group message uh, that makes my phone go crazy for while I'm trying to work. Um, and then the the other thing is uh, pinned conversations. And this is great because uh, you can now pin a conver- certain conversations with certain people to the top of the messages screen so that, for example, uh, my, my conversation, my ongoing conversation with my wife is always at the top. I don't have to hunt for it. I don't have to scroll, scroll, scroll to find what last time we had a conversation. Uh, so, and, and some other features like that, what do you all think of the improvements to messages? I really like the idea of the inline reply, you know, where you can, you're replying to just whatever somebody had said and, and not a general reply. And people said, huh, what's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, that, there's a lot of good things in there. Now, I agree with that, too, because it gets, especially if you're five or six down, I've experienced that when I go on conventions with people and we're in different parts of the building or property and we're all trying to connect and get together and somebody says something and 12 lines later, you answer and it's like, huh? Everybody kind of goes, what? (laughs) But also having a group like that, too, when you're going through your, your messages, you can find that group to respond quicker. Then okay, where did uh, is is Steve with uh, Melanie and Ashley, or is he with uh, you know Ben and Craig? So it's it's it's. I think this is going to help. I don't know who else has done this before, but of course Apple will do it better. And that's because <laughs> Father Corey's not here for me to to hear me say that. Well, I do use an Android also, so I can kind of pitch in a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> well. And speaking of Android, that's the downside is, is my, my one sister is the one sibling who's not on an iPhone. And so none of this works with a conversation with her. The, uh. Like the, pin, the pinning will work. I don't know if the group conversations will work. It might. But the inline, converse, the inline replies and the mentions won't, which is uh, kind of frustrating. And, and I, I think I conflated two things. So there's mentions where you type someone's name. And they get the notification. And then there's inline reply where you can scroll up in the conversation and reply directly to a particular message, a particular comment, so that it so that it connects what you're saying to to what you're actually responding to. Uh, but those are but those are uh, sort of connected. The one thing uh, in the messages improvements that that doesn't really get me is Momoji. I, I'm sorry, I have one. I occasionally use the sticker out of just because it's there. But I I don't really get Momoji. <laughs> it's just not my thing. I like Bitmoji better, only yeah. because Bitmojis look honest. To be honest, look more like you. They 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 take on your characteristic. All Memojis have the same nose, and as one who does not have a nose like everybody else in the world, <laughs> it just doesn't make it look like me. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, they are talking about making like even making the the the, the features of the emoji even more personalized. But still, eh. 
Well, the aging one would help me. <laughs> well, sadly, myself as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they I'm proud have, of it. <laughs> they are going to have older options, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't find myself like mugging for the phone and, you know, letting it, my mouth, you know, do do the animated version. I just, I don't really see the point. And frankly, it can't see my eyes. My eyes are so deep set, I suppose. Uh, or, you know, my face is too thick that uh, it always looks like my eyes are closed in my Memoji. So <laughs> I don't bother with it. I do use the stickers, but I don't do the, you know, the live ones. Yeah. I just don't care for those. Um, let's talk about maps, the improvements to maps. Uh, so a couple of things there, uh, cycling directions, which are limited into some uh, certain cities right now that become into other cities. I, I honestly, I mean, that's not a thing for me, but for some that might be important. Um, EV routing, if you have an electric vehicle, as more and more people do, uh, it will plan your route uh, with, with charging stations related to the particular kind of charger that you need that i think that's that's i like that idea like they're using the technology that goes beyond just you know point a to point b and here's the traffic they're now adding things like hey you know if, if you have an electric vehicle you have certain concerns and we're going to address those so i like that uh and they're going to have curated guides which you know if you travel at all like if you go to an, uh, a new city there'll be guides to great places in town where, where do you eat where do you shop where do you where, where do you go out for a good time when when we are able to do those things again someday <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> so what do you think anything that uh, stands out to you in the guide in the sorry in the maps app i think it'll be the as more people get electric vehicles i think that'll be the one that will because yeah. as it is now, most of us who are gas guzzlers know where all the gas stations are, but you right. don't know where the electric, you know, uh, recharging stations are. And I think that's going to be something that people will really, really use. Well, and not just the locations of the station, too. They 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 are doing a thing that will estimate when you're going to need a recharge and show you the stations there. And I think that was really good. Yeah. I wish I could do that with actually with, with gas stations is... Is like when I'm on a long trip, there have been times when I've, yeah, this is the, the where it wants me to go when I'm say driving across Pennsylvania, but I'm going to need a gas station somewhere in there. I wish it would route me so that it would, it would say, and this is the gas station you're going to stop at. I'd like to see the, them do it for, for us uh, fossil fuel users as well, which well, might be harder because of different vehicles, but still. Well, I, but I wonder if that's something they could do through CarPlay. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you did it through CarPlay and more cars are getting CarPlay now, yep. it might be something they could actually accomplish. And help cars be more fuel efficient by routing them appropriately. I think that's a good idea. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say Austin being a bicycling city, I think that there that's going to be uh, coming up pretty soon for Austin to be joined in there. And that for a lot of people here is a big deal. Yep. So... That's good. Not me personally. <laughs> so uh, speaking of CarPlay, they they mentioned uh, something that had been talked about in rumors for a while, something called Car Keys. And it's basically if you own right now, if you own a high end BMW or Ford, uh, I'm not even sure of the Ford yet, but at least they showed off a, a, a BMW with it where your phone becomes your key your digital key. And so you take your phone out of your pocket, you face ID, unlock it, you hold it up to the to the door handle, it unlocks the door. You get in, you put it on the charging mat in the in the car, and then you press the start button and it starts the car. And that's all well and good. Uh, but but even more interesting is, is that you can then you can also share your car keys with someone. Uh, and so you can send a digital key to their phone, which is interesting if more people as long as again, this is really if people own an iPhone. That becomes interesting. If they have an Android, it's not as as useful. And so it's yet another reason to make sure that everybody in your life has an iPhone like you do, I guess. But I think the car manufacturers are not going to like that because they love to get more money for the extra car keys. Uh, my husband's my husband's car came with only one car key. And they basically basically told him, if you want another one, it's going to cost you $350. It's so, crazy. Right. So when I have to drive his car, he actually has to physically give me the key. Now with something like this, that may change things up. And I think that I have a feeling that the car manufacturers are going to try to buck this on every turn. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I think 
it I think it's like CarPlay. I think at first only a few went with it, but more and more are coming along as uh, as consumers have said this is a thing I want and I'm go I'm, and I'll make this part of my buying decision. And hopefully if people start making this as part of their buying decision that it this opportunity to have this. Uh but you're right, it's it when when it comes down to other companies having to change in order for us to be able to get the uh, the the functionality that's the stuff I'm a little l- less uh, optimistic about getting the full promise from it and and cars are one of those. Well, and I can see where Android might you know they might be pushing to get this on Android as well the car manufacturers yeah. and then you have the security issues <laughs> because right. it's not as tightly secured right. as the Apple environment. That's right. So I can see a lot of cars being driven away. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Inadvertently. So uh and then for iPad iPad gets I think pretty much all of this uh as in addition they get some visual refinements some design changes I didn't really think that was a big a deal uh and Apple Pencil though gets more handwriting support I like the idea of the, the some third party keyboards have had this where you could and I forget the name of it but it was a really good one where you could handwrite on the screen and it would translate it into uh, text that that just, just as if you typed it, uh, and so now Apple has this built in. They call it Scribble, so you could just like uh, tap on the. They use the example of like the Safari um, address bar. You just tap on the Safari address bar and then write. Uh, I don't know, you know, Google dot com, and it will go, and then it will translate that to the text Google dot com, and you can go there. Uh, so I like this idea of being able to handwrite things. It recognizes it as. Uh, groups of text. One thing I noticed they didn't do was say show that that you could edit the text afterward. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. You can you can move the text as a whole. You can click it and and draw around it and drag it around and insert things in between. But it, in between like lines of text. But I didn't see them like putting it in between letters of your handwriting and or or like selecting and changing things. Uh, so I don't think it's quite I don't, unless they just didn't demonstrate it, but I don't think it's quite at that level yet. But what do you think of this? Well, some of the handwriting apps do have that capability of making edit changes in there. So I would think, you know, maybe they just didn't mention it. And for me to be able to use my pencil more, that would be really good because I bought this pencil to use for a couple of things and that's it. So I'd like to get a little bit more use and be able to, to being able to write in the address bars and things like that. Or I, I think it's going to make my pencil a lot more useful. Yeah. Well, and it's a pain and a half to be able to, you know, you start with the pencil and then you got to put it down and get the keyboard out, you know, and yeah, that, that transition is going to be so much smoother. Right. And and I saw someone mention like as of now, like with, with this change, the iPad has had almost all of its inputs updated. It's got the new keyboard. It's got the new um, uh, pencil uh, wor- uh, options. Uh, I mean, it's, what was the third? There was a third they thing. They showed a trackpad. Oh, the trackpad and mouse support too. Yeah. I mean, there's all these new. They've they've really refined the way that you interact with your iPad beyond the touchscreen, which I think is in- interesting that they keep iterating on it. So uh, it's interesting to see where the iPad is going. Uh, and uh, I love. The, my Apple Pencil, I use it uh, in the GoodNotes app. I mean, without the GoodNotes app, I'm not sure I would have much use for the Apple Pencil at all. But GoodNotes is a fantastic app. Uh, one of these days, I'll make it my pick of the week and talk more about it then. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the uh, Pencil changes and updates. Uh, let's move on to, uh, is there anything I didn't mention about uh, iOS or iPadOS that uh, that you think we I, sh- I should have? Um, or that folks should know about, because I think that's, I think it pretty much hit most of the high points. Uh, and we'll come back to the HomeKit stuff when we talk about tvOS, because they kind of group those together. But first, let's talk about watchOS. Um, uh, there's a lot of fitness stuff in there, you know. I, you know, uh, but I'm not all that interested in the in the dance activity stuff <laughs> that they showed. Oh, why not? <laughs> you, you don't want. No one wants to see that. Um, <laughs> but so a couple of things they talked about were. You'll now be able to have shareable watch faces. So if you put together a particularly nice set of complications, you could share that with folks. I'm not sure that's a big deal. What I'd like to see is custom watch faces that people could come up with. Uh, we've been talking about that for a long time, but I don't know 
where, where, I think whether they're still going. staying away from that. I, they're at least putting the complications together in different configurations and sharing that. I think that might be as far as customizable watch faces as we're going to get. But yeah. since I don't have a watch that does that yet, but we'll be getting one for my birthday. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see what complications do and how that all works together. So this is, more op- more options is better for me. Yeah, they certainly enhance the complications from what they are now. It was just a fixed position and it was just a little tiny bit. And I think they're making it more like the widgets, you know, that you can have different sizes and, and different things from that app on there. And, and maybe things you don't use are, are, are buried rather than being on that complication. Yeah. I do like the idea of multiple complications from the same app on the same right. face. That right. is something I've run into where I like, well, I want this from this app and that from that app. So I got to put them on two different faces and swipe back and forth. It's kind of annoying, but, uh, but I like that idea. And the sleep tracking is, is something I'm glad that they're building into it. Now I've had some sleep trapping apps, sleep tracking apps, <laughs> but to have that built in would be really nice. Cause you know, the, you were talking about the time sensitive things. When I get up in the morning, that sleep tracking app tells me how long I slept and how much, you know, uh, restlessness versus uh, deep sleep I've had. And so that would be one of the natural things for them to include on this. I, I have a problem wearing my watch to bed. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I could keep that on all night. I mean, is it? Oh, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother you? No, and I put it, they, they have the dune on the uh, watch five. You've got it so it can be totally dark and okay. uh, do not disturb. So it doesn't come on unless you actually tap on it. Okay. And when I first got it, that was a problem for my partner. Uh, you know, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, he he um, moved to the other room a couple of times. <laughs> I can picture that. But I usually yeah, put okay. it on the charger for about an hour before I go to bed. It's fine all night. And while I'm taking my shower, it's on the charger again. And that leaves me for 24 hours. So I keep it on all night. Okay. All so right. the, the new sleep tracking, it will um, automatically go into uh, when when it goes into sleep mode, it automatically goes into the don't light up at all mode. So the dark mode. Right. I like that. And yeah. uh, it also they've added some things like a like cool down or wind down uh, mode. So like this is the time I'm going to go to bed every night. And then it, so it like it, like 45 minutes beforehand, it'll start to give you notifications like, well, now it's time to wind down. You know, maybe you should consider turning off the, any screens and, you know, relaxing and that sort of thing to help you get ready for a good night's sleep, which I think is interesting. It's interesting, but my personality would say, don't tell me what to do and, and ignore that and I, just I keep agree. shouting at it. I agree with you, Pat. I'm the same way because I'm always doing things right up to bed. So it's like, don't tell me I got to start slowing down now. No, no. Well, and maybe that's what they're saying would be best for me, yep. but that's not what I've been doing my 74 years. You know, so if uh, if you all want to have some good discussion of how to get a good night's sleep, you listen to a recent episode of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World at sqpn.com slash mysterious, or I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, and Jimmy goes into detail about uh, how to get a good night's sleep and, and the, the mystery that of sleep. includes winding down. And, yes. Well, some of it does. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is, is uh, speaking of wearing a, something to bed, I, I have a blog post that I'll put a link to in my uh, in, in the show notes as well about the time that my Fitbit sent me to the hospital for the weekend and I almost ended up with, <laughs> in an MRI machine uh, because <laughs> I my I rested my head on my wrist with my Fitbit on it and it, and it caused the nerves in my face to go dead yes. <laughs> or numb they went numb and we were trying to try to figure out for uh, for 24 hours what it was and that's what it was but uh, that that's uh, that's a uh, if you're interested go click the, click the link. Uh, I do like the this is the a uh, a feature of the moment the hand washing detection. Oh yeah. So they use some <laughs> some machine learning smarts to detect when you're washing your hands, uh, the the motion of your hands, the sound of soap, the squishiness of soap and the sound of running water all says, "Oh, you're washing your hands." And then it it starts a cute little animated soap bubble timer um and when it gets to the end, it gives you a little uh, nice feedback. If you stop too early, it encourages you to continue washing. So uh, I, I thought that was amusing. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's – well, let me just say there are some people I know who do need to spend more time washing their hands. Uh, some some young boys who <laughs> are very quick out of the bathroom, let's just say. Before, <laughs> get back in there and wash the water. They're not wearing a watch. Either. No, they're not. They're not. So uh, that, that's the, that, that's what we need is the one for the kids. But I have met adults that I respected and, and really liked and 
you know, a conference or something and find out, no, they are not hand washers. And that that kind of is, gets you a little creeped out. Yes. <laughs> Nowadays, yes, it does. But I, I, it, it, I, I thought that was a very cute feature. And now I really have to get a watch yeah, five. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I said, that's it. I need it. So, uh, and then there's some fitness. Uh, they're, they're updating the activities app, making a fitness app and some other things like that. Uh, so the, some things there. I noticed that they said that the sleep tracking thing was going to be available on the iPhone as well. And, you know, instead of just on the watch. And I was wondering uh, how are they were going yeah. to do that. But, yeah, how do you uh, that's do that? another topic. I yeah. think you have, I, I mean, I think people in, in, in even now when they have a sleep tracking, third party sleep tracking apps, they, they slide it under the pillow. Like they just leave yeah, it on the, on the bed. I did that in yeah. the past. Yeah. But it's it's interesting that they're emphasizing that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I find that it gets the it gets the phone very warm. You know, yes. if I if I happen to fall asleep listening to say I'm having a particularly bad night sleeping, and I put on some sleepy time music, and I put it under my pillow, when I wake up in the morning, that thing's hot. Yeah, I mean, and, and that true. makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I do not like it when when I wake up, when I find my phone to be very hot like that. Um. Let's talk about TVOS and uh, HomeKit. Uh, the ho- HomeKit will get um, some new additions, uh, things like adaptive lighting. So it adjusts the color temperature throughout the day uh, according to your preferences, you know, warmer at night and cooler during the day. Um, they're going to have now on-device facial recognition for HomeKit compatible um, uh t- doorbells and security cameras which is something nice that uh the google the the nest cams have ring does not yet have i don't think um they uh they're moving some of your most used controls to control center which is going to be nice um I, i we often want to adjust the lights in the house or lock the front door and you have to open up the home app and go all the way to the to find it there it would be nice to have it like just in control center or as a home screen widget perhaps would be <laughs> an, a, a nice addition um and there's something about uh, they're going to be working on a new smart home standard with companies like google and zigbee and amazon it once again raised the hopes that my ring cameras will eventually be home compatible i've been hoping for years now uh maybe we'll get there yeah, that was the one announcement or that that reference there that made me excited because they showed Amazon and Google on the screen. Yeah, you know, on that thing as if, well, maybe we can get all of these things, you know, controlled through one. <laughs> right now, I've got a Google Home app, and and it would be nice to have all the Apple stuff in the Google stuff in one place. Yes, I agree because I've got a yeah. Nest uh, thermostat, I've got Ring cameras, I've got. You know, hue bulbs that are on my home kit. I just want it all to work together. Yeah, and see, we're getting a little. T- the A ladies in my house are not having fun right now. I, I don't know what <laughs> it is with us. Maybe they're just older models of Echoes. But I'd love to move to a home pod. But if I can't get what I'm doing now with the A lady into home pod, then I have to wait. Right. I really don't right. want to get another one. But. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I just wanted to, them to work together and to work better. So, and then let's all play nicely. <laughs> yes, let's all play nicely together. Uh, TVOS, they're bringing multi user uh, Apple Arcade support, uh, which, if you know, for kids is great because my kids right now, they're always fighting over who, who is using whose um, saved game from Sneaky Sasquatch on their iPad. <laughs> so, uh, what I want is multi user on iPad. Like I want the same thing where they can have you can have uh this is my iPad session for my uh say Khan Academy uh school stuff and my um Zoom uh, login and that sort of stuff and then the kids can have you know each kid can have their own uh so it's coming to the TVOS hopefully that multi user comes to the iPad uh then also they mentioned picture in picture so if you have a HomeKit compatible doorbell it will pop up when someone rings the doorbell, it'll pop up in a little picture on the side. If you're watching TV, it'll pop up on the side and you'll see who's there. And then you could, uh, with one button, pause the, the show and bring it full screen and talk to the person. I like that idea. What I'd really like to see in TVOS is to be able to be watching one app, but then go to another app and go look for something. Because I have YouTube TV. 
Yeah. And sometimes I can't find anything. Okay. I'd like to go over to uh, Netflix and see what's on it, but I'd still like to be watching you that YouTube TV. I'd like to see that picture and picture point. with multiple apps. Yeah. With multiple I, apps. Yeah. I think that's they, they, they that was mentioned, but uh, I'd have to go back and double check. And also uh, 3D sound using AirPods Pro. Like today, and I didn't even realize, you can use AirPods to listen to your Apple TV. Uh, but if you have AirPods Pro, you'll be able to have 3D sound, uh, surround sound in your AirPods, wow. which is that pretty cool. That appeals to me because yeah. I do use my AirPods for the, for the Apple TV, especially at night when my husband's asleep. If yep. I don't want to wake him, I'm listening to it through there. But I, that would be, now that's going to make me want to buy the AirPods Pro. <laughs> Apple, just take my money. <laughs> know, just well, didn't, didn't they announce somewhere that they were going to be a, doing a headset version of the AirPods? Because I don't like the little AirPods. Yeah. But, but just to have a headset that was the same technology... I, th- I think simply well, like I thought I that that was coming at some point. I think oh, the I Beats so. the Beats might be having someone come something like a Beats Pro version of the AirPods Pro, like has some of the same technology. I think I saw something about that, uh, but I, I don't remember exactly. Um, so let's move on to talk about Mac OS. Mac, we're, we're we've now turned the dial to eleven. That's right. We're now Mac OS eleven, Big Sur. Uh, Big Sur, California. Uh, so a couple of things, the visual design changes. It's going to look a lot more like iOS. These two operating systems, or three really, if you include iPhone uh, and iPad, uh, look a lot similar, more similar as the, as time goes on. Um, there's a new notification center. So instead of that bar coming in from the right side of the screen, it, it sort of pops down like, like on your iPhone and your iPad. Uh, control center is the same way. So you click the button on the menu bar and it pops down and it looks very much like the control center on your phone or your iPad. Uh, they have this some improvements to Safari, uh, more privacy reports. So uh, there's a button to click and it will tell you about what kind of trackers this particular website has uh, running. Uh, I like the idea that you can give extensions uh, in, some of us have ex, you know, many extensions running in our browsers. Extensions, can, you can give them permission per site. Like this, this extension is only uh, to, you, to be used on, say, uh, Google Docs, you know, the, the Google.com site, or only on Amazon. I want this to be active. Um, and that way, it's not, you know, reading all your traffic and looking at all the things you do just for, per site or by time. Like, I want to give this a permission for the next hour or day or something along those lines. Um, so that's good. Uh, messages gets some of the new features that iOS has. So a little more parity for the messages app on the, on the Mac, which is good, uh, including groups and inline reply and that sort of thing. Um, and then the Mac app store is they're implementing uh, easy to read privacy policies, which again, is they're really their, their privacy focus is good. Um, but other than that, there didn't seem to be a ton of new features for Mac OS. Uh, what do y'all think of this? I I don't know if it's a lot of change. I think, number one, the visual change is going to be big enough for some folks. Yeah. <laughs> because and, I, and I, for me, it's not that big a problem. I know for my husband, who is so used to seeing things a certain way, when you change a screen on him that he sees all the time for the first month, it's like, where is this thing? I can't find it. Um, so I think that's going to be big enough. The other things are, I, I think are going to take some time too, because we're not used to like touching the, going up and clicking the time and having the notifications drop down. It, we're not gonna, used to being put things up in the menu bar. You know, I think that's, th- that's going to be some changes, but I think I, what they're getting ready for is what we're going to talk about next is the change in processors. Right. And that's what they're starting to get ready for. So to us who are still going to have Intel processes for a while, I, it, it's going to be enough for us to, you know, some enough new stuff, but enough old stuff to keep us happy. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that when he said, this is going to be a whole new operating system, this is going to be a, you know, all I could think of is my 80 year olds and saying, no, no, not too much change all at once. This is going to kill them. And, but when I saw that, you know, the actual visual changes and everything in there and the Safari stuff, that's not huge, and it is more like the phone. Mm. So, you yeah. know, I'm hoping that, you know, the whole big new operating system is the preface for using their processors. 
that's more what the architecture is about, not what's visually being done. I think that's the when they say all new, it's really more of it's it's all new under the hood, and um, it's going to look a lot more like your iPad and your phone and your iPhone, which I think for some people is a good thing. Who are who yes. are who who started this Apple journey with a phone or or a tablet and have picked up a Mac along the way, that makes it easier for them because it's a familiar design language and things will work similar. Yeah. And, you know, my husband and I are both in the older senior category and my husband does appreciate when everything looks alike. So he can go from phone to iPad to Mac and not, and know that that looks like this, this looks like that. And I don't have to figure out that it isn't what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah, that that I think is a big, big goal to, that they've got. And I think it's great, that part. And because and let's move to the next the big topic and the 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 design language change to make it look more like iOS is there because Max and this is, I think, less important, I think, for most people, frankly. Uh, but Macs are moving their CPU from Intel technology to ARM technology. And the reason that's a big deal is Apple already uses and designs its own CPUs, its own you know, computer brains uh, the under the ARM technology for iPhones and iPads. So they've, they're already been doing that. And these are the, 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 the chip in the iPhone 11 and in the, the latest iPad Pros are desktop class. You could put those into a desktop computer and they would, they would, they would work really well. They would work fine. So uh, they're going to be putting, transitioning all of their uh, products they sell over the next two years to ARM processors. Uh, they'll be faster. There'll be no more waiting for Intel. One of the big problems is Intel, their ability to innovate and make faster and better chips has slowed down over the years. They're not, and that's held Apple back. They, it's held back some of their the things they want to do for the software. So um, the big thing I think that most people care about is you'll be able to run iOS apps on your Mac natively when you have a new ARM-based Mac. And that's the key, that's the key thing. Um, in, this is not true of the any Mac that you've bought up to the end of this year, say. But, but on the new Macs that are coming, you'll be able to install an iPad app or, or a phone app onto your Mac, and it will just work uh, because they're running the same fundamental hardware and the basic operating system. So what do you all think of that? Is that a big deal? It's exciting. Uh, I'm not sure my most of my customers will think of it as that exciting. But, to, you know, from a techie point of view, hey, that's pretty cool. In fact, they showed that all of the demos that they were doing with the Mac OS and everything was all being actually run with the with the iPad software. Right. Uh, on, the, on those new machines. And I thought, well, that's that's really amazing, you know, that that, you, that they could say one thing goes everywhere. Yeah, I I. I agree. Uh, my husband and I just ended up um, getting new computers, so it's going to be another six years before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it may not because I, you know, I was watching and watching the video. I was watching and noticing that that looked like a little Mac Mini that he was running everything. The developer's off of. Mini. Yeah, yeah, it's a developer kit. Yeah. And yeah, I would love to, the, the techie in me wants to get her hands on one of those <laughs> yeah. for the house. But because then that would make sense to me, a stationary one at home that can run all different kinds of apps. That to me yeah. is, it would be a great thing. So I see this, I feel bad because Intel has been a very sturdy product, but they've also dragged their feet Yeah, in, in, in their architectures and they're just they've kept Apple back, I think. And that's what we I've heard that for a couple of years now from people who know about this stuff better than I do. They just keep saying they've been dragging their feet. So it doesn't surprise me that Apple finally said, we're just we're going to do this. We're, if we're making them now for, you know, the iPad and the iPhone, why don't we just make them for the computers? And uh, you know that Apple's been planning this for years. They've been they've had these ARM based Macs in the lab. I mean, the the fact that they're able to do this transition in two years, they could do it tomorrow. But I think they're doing it over two years in order to get developers on board. You know, the the little software is going to be fine, but things like Photoshop and you know Adobe Premiere and these big heavy heavy duty you know pro apps are going to need time to transition to be rewritten and to take advantage of these processors. Uh, but I, I'm excited to see. I, I think the first Mac out the door will be some kind of Mac, like MacBook, and it'll probably not be great, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, 
But the, after that, like, you know, the maybe next spring, I, I'm thinking there's probably an, an iMac refresh coming in not too long. Those will probably be very interesting. And I'll be very interested to see uh, how they work. And one of the things I think is really interesting is they're t- they talked about this Rosetta uh, 2, this technology mm-hmm. that allows you to run your current Intel-based apps uh, on the new ones. And what happens is, uh, in the, in the old days, when we tra- remember we transitioned from uh, PowerPC to Intel, we had Rosetta, and it was a uh, w- while it was running, it was doing the translation, the the compatibility, which made things slow. I, you two probably remember how slow yeah. those compatible apps were. This does the translation, the change, the conversion at installation. So it converts it when you install the app, and so from that point on, that app is always running natively. I think it's fascinating, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Um, I could always use a faster Mac to do my audio editing, that's for sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Maybe one of those little Mac Mini developers one could be your your because uh, I think they had like 32, 64 gigabytes of memory, and yeah. there were huge hard drives on those things. Hard to get though they uh, they're they're limiting them. Frank, I, no, uh, at the moment, yes. but maybe in the, future. in the future. Well, when when they tell you your Mac is now vintage, you have to start yeah. to con- you know start yes. to think about change. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Obsolete's a worse word, <laughs> right? But mine went vintage this year, so it's like okay, that gives me one or two more years on an operating system before they tell me so sorry, no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one of the things that we didn't get that I was expecting to see, and it, 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 it's somewhat understandable given that it's mostly hardware, is these trackers that have been heard about for since last fall, really. The uh, that like the tile trackers that allow you to, um, you know, you you put it on a on, on a piece of hardware, or just you you put it on an object, and it will track it in the Find My app, just like you do with Find My Phone and Find My iPad, and Find My Mac. Uh, but Apple did add. Uh, an API that lets third parties like Tile be in the Find My app, which I think is kind of neat. I think that, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, Tile and the others, because I think even Tile was threatening to sue Apple for excluding them. So that might be why they did it, uh, you know, for monopolistic practices. So hopefully, uh, they will take advantage of this and be in the one place where you can track everything. So anything that you thought we would see that we didn't or anything you're disappointed we didn't see, um, aside from hardware? I, I think it was mostly hardware for me because yeah. it, because we were just in the market right now. And I, I said to my husband, wait, let's wait and see what's <laughs> going to happen. And when it didn't happen, I was like, OK, fine, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think we got a lot. There was a lot there, and uh, it's it's hard to 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 complain that we didn't get more. So, um, very I'm very happy, very much looking forward to when they release it sometime this fall. That usually means like late October uh, to November. Given the current situation, all bets are off on when anything's going to happen anymore. But uh, we'll be interesting to see. Well, it was. It was a little different to see just one person doing a presentation, you know, and no crowds and all that. That was really that was really a weird feeling. But I did like the zooming around the the campus and from place to place. Mm-hmm. And I liked the fact that when they went to the uh, the new arm processing stuff, that was an undisclosed location <laughs> that you went through the tunnels yeah. to see the picture of where it was. Yes, <laughs> and I love that. But and they didn't lose their sense of humor through the whole thing either, because of right. course when they named the the mac os it's yeah. always a big a big line and it was the same thing this year where they made a joke out of it and i <laughs> craig Federighi has got to he should have been a he should have been a stand-up in another life <laughs> yes. he must have been a stand-up in another life i should say yeah yeah he was uh that was funny it was something about a, the marketing team going on a drug-fueled uh, trip that was funny Awesome. Uh, so uh, let's wrap things up. This is a, a nice long episode to talk about all these things. Uh, but let's wrap things up with some picks of the week, because uh, th- I just love that part of the show and um, hoping listeners do, too. And so uh, let's go to that. Pat, what is your pick this week? Well, it's a weird one. Uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of people that have been trying to do Zoom while during this this time, and a lot of people have no cameras and no webcams on their desktops because they're not Apple. And so what I what I found was a lot of people have a lot of old laptops that would have a camera and a microphone, but they're, you know, Windows XP and Windows 7. 
And so what I did was is I took Ubuntu, which is a real easy to install uh, Unix, Linux dis- distribution. And I've got it on a thumb drive. And all I do is I plug it in, tell it to install it and ask it to ground, you know, bring down a couple of things that are now all GUI. They're, you don't have to type anything anymore to go get different programs. And now I've got little machines that can do Google Meet and Zoom and, you know, uh, Chrome and Firefox. Really good, really nice for inexpensive. That's a great so idea. So I just wanted to mention that that is uh, available. And some people feel icky about ha- installing Zoom on their main computer, too. So, you know, because they were worried about the the ethics of the company. And uh, so this would be nice where you just did, you have a dedicated, old, inexpensive laptop that's just got uni, you know Ubuntu in it and right. and Zoom and that's that. I think it's a great idea. Um, excellent. And Joanne, what's your pick this week? Well, this is one that I received a couple of um, I want to say about four weeks ago that I was supposed to get in February, but of course COVID nineteen kind of killed that yeah. um, on top of <laughs> top of other things. But uh, this is the Hyperjuice World's first one hundred watt. USC, USB-C charger, mm, and it charges wow. four different devices at the same time, two in USB-C and two in USB-A. Wow. So this is, this is your go-to when you go on vacation. But hark, when two of us were working here in the house during the crisis and we had to keep charging our, um, our devices, it came in real handy. Because you can yeah. do four devices at the same time. And now that we have two um, computers that are both coming USB-C chargers, this is what we'll take with us. Because, yes, the Apple chargers are great, and I have a lot of them. But when you go anywhere, you're always it's always a single charger for a single Right. There's only in, one outlet. You know, single device. <laughs> yeah. This is four. And it comes with – it's about credit card size. It's really credit card size. And um, it has the pull-down plug, but it also comes with all of the universal plugs for worldwide travel. Nice. So you get all of them. And I got it as a Kickstarter, all right, for 59 But now, kick, this is interesting because it's still on Kickstarter, but when you go to pre-order now, it goes to Indiegogo. Okay. And it's, and it's sixty nine ninety nine. So they've gone up. So they did their first round. This must be their third round or something. But I'll tell you, so far it has worked very, very well. We Again, we used it here when we had two offices running, and I've taken it now to my office back at the parishes. And um, I, I'm, I'm in love with it. It, it just does so it, – it doesn't get too hot. And you're better off if you use the USB-C. You'll get the faster charge. But still, you have to have the right – you have to have the right connection also. So if you if you have a if you're using it on an iPhone, make sure you have the USB C to Lightning. I just bought one you for know, that very reason. Yes. <laughs> exact that there you'll get the fast charge. If you try to put it on the uh USB A, you get the regular charge. Eighteen okay. watts, but you get the regular charge. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, the uh it it is if you especially if you have two laptops it'll char- it says it'll charge two uh 15 inch or 16 inch macbook mm-hmm. pros simultaneously that's right. pretty awesome and you have to remember it's a, it's 100 watts for the whole thing so if you're putting two macbook pros on it each of them get 50 watts right but that's okay. plenty yeah that's more than plenty when you're trying to do that at the same time yeah awesome very good uh, so my pick is a, a an analog piece of technology, but it's just a nice piece of design that I want to highlight, and it comes really handy. Uh, it's called the Hero Clip, and what it is, it's like a carabiner. It looks, it's it's a carabiner clip, but with something else attached to it. It's got a, a hook that folds over the top, and then you can unfold, and so you can use it to hang stuff off of it just about anywhere. And one of the things I like to do is I keep one on my on my laptop bag and I, I don't like to leave my bag like laying on the floor when I go out to, or to a restaurant or something like that. Or like, when we did such things, when we went to like coffee shops <laughs> and, and worked um, or when I'm hiking and I, I don't want to leave it in the dirt. Uh, so what I do is, is I hook the carabiner through a loop 
And then I put the hook over the edge of a table or over a bench. Um, or if I'm hanging out in my hammock in the backyard, I'll put my water bottle on it and hang it off of there. Um, and it's, it's, it folds up, fits in your pocket, comes in two different, three different sizes, uh, medium, small, and mini, which I think is funny because it's like a, it's like a Starbucks coffee. It, it's a large. Come on, just call it a large. Uh, but uh, medium, small, and mini. Uh, the medium is good size. Uh, it'll hold up to 60 pounds, they say. Uh, the mini it would, is great for your, like your car keys. It's really small and light. Uh, so, and uh, they're, they're not cheap, cheap, but they're like the, the, the biggest one is like 20 bucks. Uh, but they, they're very durable. They're well built. And um, I'm, I'm happy to have a couple of different sizes of them. Uh, so the, that's the hero clip. So uh, let's wrap things up there. Uh, I want to uh, first take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Stephen G, Daniel P, Ben H, Peter M, and Carl S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Apple's announcements and our discussion of them? Uh, was there a feature that you thought was pretty interesting that we missed? Or do you have another take on it than we do? I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And I'll put links uh, from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It was fun as always. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thank you and stay safe. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.